0: A reading from the epistle to the Ephesians, chapter 6, beginning with verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His power. Put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For our struggle is not against enemies of blood and flesh, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, so that you may be able to withstand on that evil day, and having done everything, to stand firm. Stand therefore and fasten the belt of truth around your waist and put on the breastplate of righteousness. As shoes for your feet, put on whatever will make you ready to proclaim the gospel of peace. With all of these things, take the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times, in every prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert and always persevere in supplication for the saints. Pray also for me so that when I speak, a message may be given to me to make known with boldness the mystery of the Gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it boldly, as I must speak. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You know, most of the time when I hear somebody refer to this text... It's somehow just about them and the battle that they're waging in the cosmic arena. Someone will call themselves a prayer warrior or a spiritual warrior or some kind of warrior. And I'm always hesitant to join with that because I kind of figure the safe place is behind Jesus. You know what I mean? In the military, there used to be a saying that if you get too far out ahead of everyone else, it becomes hard to distinguish between you and the enemy. So stay with your group. If we take this as some sort of mantra that it's about our personal holiness and our personal ability to fight Satan, we might be getting out ahead of Jesus and that will be a problem. Because we won't be depending on Jesus' strength, we'll be depending on ours. And one thing I know for certain about my strength, about my holiness, about my righteousness, is sooner or later it will fail me. Or sooner or later I will fail it. But that's not the gospel anyway. And Paul has asked that these people will pray for him, that he will speak the gospel boldly. And the gospel boldly spoken is that it's for all of us. It's a word of Christ come down from heaven for us and for our salvation, as the creed said. Togetherness. Not individuals, not single people wrestled out of the jaws of the devil, but a whole people wrestled out of sin and death and destruction and desolation and despair. A whole people. A people who have trusted God and called God. A people who are being tuned to the image of Christ in the same way that we tune a piano. In the same way we tune a guitar. Christ is tuning us to be bold in the Gospel. To speak... The gospel of peace that Christ has come to reconcile us to God, to do away with our sin, to do away with our disobedience, and fill us with the Spirit of God, God's self. But to what end? Just for us or for others? Our mission statement here at ADNA is that we exist for the purpose of making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. It's lofty, isn't it? It sounds like something we can't do by ourselves and that's why it's a mission statement. And that's why it's an acknowledgement that we need for God to be at work in us. And buried up in that first sentence I read to you, It's part of the good news of Paul's call to us to put on this armor. But first, I want to tell you a story. During the Civil War, at the Battle of Shiloh, there was a young Union soldier who was shot in the arm. And his captain told him, Private, give me your rifle and, and get out of the battle, go to the rear. The soldier handed his rifle over to his captain and he ran north looking for safety. And after running a few hundred yards, he ran into another battle and another skirmish and another skirmish. And finally, he turned to the east and ran as hard as he could to the east and ran and ran and all he could find was more fighting. So he turned and he ran to the west and all he could find was more and more fighting. And everywhere he went, it seemed like there was fighting. So finally, he ran back to his captain and he said, there ain't no rear to this battle. And that's the reality for the church today. There's no place for us to check out of rescuing the perishing as we just sang. There's no place for us to check out of sharing the gospel. We can't come and linger in the back and let other people do the battling. Because that be strong that's there, That first word, listen to it again. Finally, after everything else he's told us about all the things that Christ is tuning us to be, all the ways that Christ is shaping us to be gentle and humble, to be peaceable, to be loving, to be forgiving to be a people who bear with one another in love, to be a people who speak the truth to one another in love. All of those things He's given us that we're going to do for each other and do for the world are not the way the world behaves and they never will be. And He says to us, finally, because I've said all of that to you, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His power. And the interesting thing there, is what he really said in the Greek is, y'all be made strong. Do you hear the difference? If one says to me, get stronger, I think they mean I need to go to the gym, start doing some power lifting, get my muscles tuned up. If someone just says to me, be strong, then that means I've got to do it, doesn't it? Somehow I have to find a way to make myself stronger. Somehow I have to find a way to make myself better. But what Paul really said is a present passive word. A present passive word that means be made strong. And because it's in the present tense, that means that it's ongoing, church. That every time we get together to do the things Paul named in this letter, of praying together and singing hymns to God and practicing the proclamation of the gospel, every time we get together to speak to one another the good news, we are being made strong in the power of God. It's a present Word. It means it's continuously happened. And it will never stop happening. It will always happen. That as long as the church gathers, as long as the church gets together to worship, to read the Scriptures, to preach, to proclaim Jesus, to proclaim that Christ has come, that Christ has died, that Christ has been risen, and that Christ will come again to judge the living and the dead. As long as the church gets together to do those things, we are being strengthened for the work of the battle. And the battle is to proclaim the gospel of peace. Some people have taken this as license for Christians to go out and kill their religious enemies, and that's not good, that's idolatry. How does that fit a gospel of peace, of a God reconciled to God's creation? It simply doesn't. But Paul tells us to put on our feet whatever we need to be able to proclaim the true gospel that Christ has come in the flesh to make peace between creation and God. That our sins are no longer an obstacle to coming into the presence of the Father. It's a present word. And it means that every time we get together we are being strengthened. He's telling us to stand in the reality that we're already under. To trust the One who is making us strong. And that's why it's important that it's a passive word. And I wish the English translations would show that. Finally, be made strong. Be made strong. In the Lord and in the strength of His power. How do we do that? By putting on the armor of God. And what you'll notice is that they're all defensive weapons. And they're meant for us to use them together because in every case it's all plural. It's about us together, the church, putting on the armor of God by worshiping and loving God and letting the truth of salvation seep into our very core. That God has died for us that Christ has died for us and been raised for us so that we can have new life and so that we can then share that life with others. That's the battle we're in. Not proving that Muslims are wrong or Hindus are wrong, but living out the reality that Christ separates us from sin And inviting other people to come and be freed from sin. When we fight that battle in worship, it begins here. It's here that we're equipped. It's here that we learn how to put on the belt of truth. It's here that we learn how to stand with the shield, shoulder to shoulder behind the shield. That's how the Roman army did it. They linked up and the shields were thick so that the arrows stuck in them and the fire extinguished. And they stood and they locked arms like riot police of today. And they stood behind the shield of faith knowing that whatever came against them could not defeat the one that they were following. That whatever came against them, there would be resurrection. That even if the Roman authorities put them to death, they would be raised. That's what faith is. Because up until 316 AD, it was illegal across the known world to be a Christian. And you could be put to death for it. And so Paul says to them, be strong and be bold. Join together in the linking of arms and get behind the shield of faith. Put on the helmet of salvation and remember that no matter what, you've been delivered from death. And be bold as you proclaim the gospel of peace. It saddens me today to see the church look like a coward. To see the church be unafraid to hold up Jesus as the way to the Father for fear of offending someone. To see the church let go of our historic understanding that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, that He was killed for us, for our sakes. He died to cleanse us of our sin, that He was raised into new life to give us life, to bring us with Him into a new and living hope. And we want to pass that off for a shallow gospel that says God is love and we don't really need Jesus. And so therefore, there's all these other ways to heaven and gosh, you know, whatever you believe, as long as you believe it honestly, well, that's important enough. That's not the Methodism I signed up for. I signed up for the historic truth, the Wesleyan truth, that we are called to go out and preach to people that Christ died for them, even them. And that in Christ, they can have the power to overcome sin. That they can be freed from sin. That we don't have to live a life defeated by the enemy anymore. And so Paul tells us to be strong, meaning, y'all be made strong. Be made strong. I wonder if you noticed that the only offensive weapon mentioned is the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. I want to share with you that I think it's unfortunate that some people have taken that to mean that they can take a Bible and beat people over the head with it. Because what Paul's talking about there is not logos, not the written Word, not even the living Word of Christ. He's talking about the rhema, the proclamation of the Gospel. The Word proclaimed. He's saying to us that the only weapon you have and the only weapon you will ever need is to stand firm and speak the gospel that Christ has died to set us free from sin and death. And that that proclamation is the greatest of all weapons. Because it sets people free from the chains of bondage. How do we get all these weapons? By showing up, by worshiping, by praying, by speaking the creeds until they resonate deep within our heart, by showing each other what it looks like to follow Jesus. By reminding each other that we have the promise of salvation. The promise of new life. Why would Paul tell us to stand firm? Why would Paul tell us to be strengthened by God if we didn't need it? You might remember a story. There were all these people who were following Jesus around and He said something they didn't like. It was a hard teaching, so a bunch of them left. Apparently Jesus couldn't have built a megachurch. A bunch of them left. And Jesus looked at His disciples and said, you don't want to leave too, do you? And you might remember that Simon Peter spoke up and said, to where would we go? You have the words of eternal life. there ones, those same words have been entrusted to you. And the armor of God is available to you to help you to stand firm in that truth that in Jesus there is life. So that you can go out into a world that would deny that and speak it as if very reality depended on it. Because I can promise you the last thing God wants is for us to be ashamed of Jesus and to act as if Jesus doesn't matter. Be strong, He says. Be made strong. God is at work in you, bringing you into the image of Christ so that God can be glorified through you. The task is daunting. The work of going out of this place out of the safety of this sanctuary and speaking the name of Jesus to people who are hurting and dying is terrifying. I know that. But it's also necessary. It is our only purpose for existing. It's who we are being tuned to be. And now Paul tells us you're being tuned to stand. Not to give up. Not to stop caring about the world. Not to stop serving the world, but to stand in the place you belong. Which is in the footsteps of Jesus who died for the world. Be brave, Adna. Be bold. Take on the armor of God. Pray. Pray for me that I might speak the Gospel boldly and not be afraid of offending people who don't want to hear that there's an exclusive Savior. This is not a time for us to lay down and give up. It's a time for us to stand firm. And to remember that Jesus is tuning us into a people who can stand. A people unafraid. A people unashamed. That is my prayer for us in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.